This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're officially calling it Hispanic Heritage Month. We have crossed the border of September 15th because it's just too darn short. September 15th, October 15th. One, it's complicated. And secondly, it's too short. So we're kicking it off. Today, we've got another great show for you today. We have a great crew with us. We'll introduce them in a little bit. This Tony is Libre Traficante. But you got to stay tuned because I'll go backwards. Second half of the show, we have Raul Garza calling in to talk about the world premiere of his play, There and Back. we got a playwright coming on the air. At the top of the show, so happy to have Darlene Campos on the air. She's got her new book, Summer Camp is Cancelled. We'll have a reading from it. And because we love you, you can call in to win free copies. We're hooking you up. It's not even pledge drive, but save up some of that karmic love and budgetary love, budgetary love for later on when it is pledge drive. But we do it anyway, whether you call in or not, because we support Latino Lit. And, of course, want to let you know about some major events coming up that we've organized outside in the real world, because that's what we're about. If you're ready to put Houston Latino art on the map, you need to know about the event Wednesday, August 29th, 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at City Hall in the Legacy Room in conjunction with El Mero Mero Councilman Gallegos, the only Latino on City Council, who will regularly holds a quarterly event for Houston Latino nonprofits. We're infusing art into it. You need to come because we're going to talk about putting Houston Latino art on the map. Folks have been tweeting the hashtag, Hugh Latino Art. What does it mean? You tell us. And on that day, we're launching our campaign where folks will pledge to support Latino art. What does that mean? You tell us. Become an ambassador for your community. If you need help, we're here for you. We're locking in the community to bring in the Renaissance in a big way. More later. Of course, I am so proud to be co-chair of the Mayor's Hispanic Advisory Board Arts Committee. And we are coordinating our first event, Monday, September 24th, Jose Antonio Vargas will be in town. You may remember him as the Filipino journalist who came out, pregnant pause there, as undocumented. And he's won a Pulitzer Prize. He is broadening the immigration argument to the LGBTQ community, to non-Latinos as well. And what I love, too, it's going to make us discuss how a Filipino can have the last name Vargas and a bunch of Latinos can have the last name Vargas as well. Here, His book is titled Dear America, Notes of an Undocumented Citizen. If you go to HoustonLatinoArts.org, excuse the blog, we're still working on it. You get more information on both of those events. I do want to warn you. There is an admission price for that event. It'll be at Talento Building with the Houston, 7 p.m., Monday, September 24th. And I know what some folks are saying. ¿Qué pasa con ustedes, nuestra palabra? We got you covered yesterday. 
the Mexican American Bar Association of Houston has donated 15 tickets. Right? So we want to help you out. If price is an issue to get in there, the Mexican American Bar Association of Houston has helped you out. Call us in. Let us know. We're going to get you in there one way or the other. And that's really what this is about. Now, that is the official beginning. Uh, that's officially during Hispanic Heritage Month. Stay tuned to get involved. And we've got a few issues to bring up during the soapbox. We'll also be talking about the one-year anniversary of the Harvey Flood. And there'll be a tribunal in a little bit. Brian Paras will be talking about the effects of Harvey one year later. It's been an environmental issue that's been ongoing. And there's so many other issues to cover. We're going to focus on one that just came out of thin air last week. Basically, if you've been following the hashtag, Boycott El Tiempo, this all resulted because the terrible person, Jeff Sessions, you may know him as the face of Trump's deportation force, came to Houston. And you know the rule. It's pretty simple. No guacamole for immigrant haters, as my friend Jose Torres Tama likes to say. But he was served at the restaurant El Tiempo. And then the folks from the restaurant took a picture with him that they posted online and said they were proud to serve him. Now, they are saying they didn't know what was going on with this fellow. Let's make a few things clear. Coretta Scott King warned us that Jeff Sessions was a racist when he was being nominated for Trump's administration. I think that convinced Trump to put him on. People didn't listen back then. Some of the LGBT community also has it in for him as they should because of all the anti-LGBTQIA policies that he's enforced in North Carolina. On top of it, yes, he's been involved not only in family separation, but he's also denying folks that have followed the rules for asylum their due. In fact, a judge said they're ready to put out orders for contempt of court for him because he has not turned around a plane full of immigrants who were eligible to go through proceedings for asylum and were rejected. On top of it, he's also in charge of this whole fiasco where families have been separated from the children. The Trump administration ended that. It's still ongoing. want to know what you want to talk about. We don't always take phone calls because we have such an action-packed show. I do want to tell you, if you want to call in, we might open a space for calling folks, 713-526-5738. And we want to know what you think about this uh, movement to boycott El Tiempo for serving Jeff Sessions. And I'll give you my opinion and some folks from social media, what they've said. But I do want to let you know that El Tiempo has shut down its social media as a result of this. And, of course... There has been actual marching in front of El Tiempo that began yesterday. Folks have been marching in front, boycotting El Tiempo because they did serve Jeff Sessions. Other folks have been asking, hey, didn't he also have breakfast at La Mexicana, which is here in Montrose? So let's make a distinction. El Tiempo put a picture on their website saying they were honored to have, again, the face of Trump's deportation force in their restaurant. They later backtracked and said that they weren't aware of his policies and then condoned them. But earlier in the morning, La Mexicana did serve sessions as well. 
Chief Acevedo took him there. Now, I want to break this down in a few different ways. Chief Acevedo has made it clear that he is protecting our community from being profiled and unfairly detained. I'm certain that he spoke truth to power because I've been at community events where he has sent representatives and instructed them that they should not fear if they're undocumented going to the police. They give folks instructions on how to navigate going through the police department if they are in trouble and has made it clear that they will not be profiled or unfairly detained. And he's also navigated the entire system. So he most likely spoke truth to power. On top of it, La Mexicana made it clear that they do not condone sessions deporting and ripping apart of families. And they did not go and brag and rub in our face that they were honored to have him there. That's one of the big differences. The other thing I'm going to put on the table is that the the big conflict that's occurring right now is a product of an era where you're going to see Bush Republicans collide with Trump Republicans. Because the other thing that folks have brought up is, well, didn't we always know that Mama Nympha and the family were Republicans? Well, we're in a state full of Republicans. And if you recall, Bush, the Bushes had a ton of Latinos vote for them. We're talking about 30 to 40 percent, which I tell you right now will never be seen in the Republican Party again if you push the Trump agenda, right? That was before this Trump era of Trump Republicans talking about building a wall. And let's get something straight. I don't mind chatting with you about building a wall, but you're either lying or simple if you don't acknowledge that build a wall is a dog whistle against Latinos, okay? And I'm giving you a pro tip, Republicans. If you sit down and talk about that, but don't acknowledge that as such, you're lying or you're simple. Because there's a whole lot of other ways to protect the border, curtail uh, invasions of cartels, etc. The other thing I want to point out as well is that Bush Republicans were from an era where we weren't separating families the way Trump's deportation force is doing. We're talking about the baby jails right now that we're opposing here being implemented in Houston. And on top of it, like I said, a judge is ready to call sessions in contempt of court because and told them you need to turn around the airplane with those immigrants who are not given their fair day for asylum that's what's happening right now so hey let's put all the cards on the table texas business used to have an unwritten contract where they would accept undocumented labor and benefit from them including the restaurant industry as long as folks followed the law, played the rules, and worked hard. Everyone abided by that. Trump has broken that contract. So nowadays, what's happening is that folks who are working under that rule are being ostracized. Former veterans are, are suffering. Uh, you hear folks who are stunned that they voted for Trump and their family members are being deported and they're not bad hombres, as they say. Here's the other thing as well, too. In this era of Sessions and Trump Republicans, let's get something straight. I get it. You say bad hombres, maybe Trump doesn't speak Spanish, so he thinks bad hombres means only African Americans and Latinos. Because I didn't hear Trump talk about the bad hombre who one year ago ran over an American citizen, Heather Hayer, in Charlottesville. A bad hombre 
a white bad hombre killed an American citizen. I have yet to hear President Trump or Sessions call out by name that loser, that bad hombre, that evil, illegal American. Because the guy who ran over that woman was a citizen. He's an illegal American who killed a citizen practicing her freedom of speech. I have not heard the president or Sessions name that person by name. This ain't Bush-era tactics. This is Trump-era tactics. And that's what's colliding. And guess what? This is not the era where we're not the Mexicans. We ain't your granddaddy's Mexicans. We're not the Mexicans that will let you step on us, that have to tolerate being quiet and say thank you. That era is over. That's what's happening right now. So I, I also want to point out something else, too. Trump called out individuals like Kaepernick. So he has named individuals. I guess Kaepernick, is that a bad hombre? Kaepernick did not kill anyone. You may agree or disagree with his tactics. He has not harmed any U.S. citizens. Yet Donald Trump called that bad hombre, I guess. Is he a bad hombre? He called him out by name and also said that anyone who participates in that civil disobedience is an SOB. I can't say it on the air because of FCC issues, but that's what's going on right now. So if you're confused by what's going on with the hashtag Boycott El Tiempo and why people are mad at Sessions, I think I've cleared it up for you because that's what's going on right now. And those are the nuances of what's happening now. A lot more to talk about that, and we're happy to keep people informed. But we also want to add these different nuances to this. I'm going to close out this part of this by saying this too. This ain't over because guess what? Why would, why in the world would Sessions come to Houston in the hottest part of the year and go looking for a Mexican restaurant? I think his boss told him to come here like Pence was told to go see Hamilton to start mitote. And I don't think it's any coincidence that's happened after reports came out that Ted Cruz has been begging Trump to campaign for him. So if you think this is getting heated, wait till 45 comes trying to campaign for Lion Ted. Again, I'm not telling you which way to vote or not. I'm giving you the facts. And if you think that there's been some mitote because of this, because of of Sessions having uh, some bad Mexican food, Wait till 45 comes campaigning for Lion Ted. Okay, first, I, and that's that's his nickname. So I'm not sure he's going to take back the name Lion Ted one way or the other. But this, to me, doesn't seem like any accident. It seems like Trump wants to create a mitote and wants to be the savior for Cruz, who, of course, as you know, in all the polls, is in a close election with Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, and I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm giving you the statistics. The Texas Lyceum has Beto O'Rourke two points down from Ted Cruz, which you know is within the margin of error. So, and I'm gonna also add one last thing too. People have been saying, "Hey, weren't the weren't the statistics all wrong for the for the main election?" They were. However, they correctly predicted that Hillary would get more votes than Trump. He was saved by the Electoral College. That ain't gonna happen in this case. So, trying to put it all together for you, connect the dots, and keep people engaged. We're going to go to our regular programming now because at the end of the day, we committed to bring you Latino writers, Latino playwrights, and that's what we do. So I know that there's a lot of other issues. We apologize if we can get to all of them or deal with them more profoundly. However, 
Our mission has been to promote Latino, Latina writers, and we don't care what happens uh, as a distraction. We're going to stick to it. So we're going to bring you a playwright and a novelist today. But we also want to acknowledge High Tech Aztec, who's in the room, and is going to tell us about the Harvey Tribunal coming up, because we're going on one year after... Houston was flooded. Man, that was of biblical proportions. Uh, I've seen reports that said that that is the worst damage that has ever occurred during a hurricane. Break it down, brother. Thank- hey, welcome back to your home. You're- yeah! yeah! <laughs> hey, it's cool to, cool to see uh, all of the folks like in control, in command, and uh show sounds great. And got a new co-host. Woo-hoo-hoo! Hey, this is a good excuse for folks to say hi. We'll say hi. Hello. How's it going? Uh, Hello. Hello. Tell folks your name. Oh, yes. My name is Letty. (laughs) They forgot to turn their mic on. Oh. Alexis from Houston, Texas. (laughs) This is Joe Anthony. And this is Marlon. I'm back. Yay. It's a little reunion. Exactly. No, it's cool. It's cool to be back, and thanks for giving me a little time. I just wanted to uh, drop in and let y'all know that, uh, you know, there's this really, really important date coming up in two weeks. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think the show before... The, the big, big storm. We were talking about the Canelo fight because you were a big boxing match. And, like, <laughs> I was just talking right. to someone. Uh, we were we were doing some interviews with folks, you know, still still struggling to, to recover. And, and she said, yeah, I remember everyone was stuck in, in, in somebody else's home because they were all watching the fight. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a year. And, you know, this isn't our, our first storm, but it certainly is one that has left a lasting impact on, on our psyche. Um, and, and, you know, it's on the heels of three other floods that have, uh, you know, happened in the last couple of years. So Each one breaking a hundred-year marker or whatnot. Yeah, records being broken, you know, yearly. And so, you know, I think it's time for for us to take notice of that. And uh, there's this uh, really cool coalition of folks working uh, um, together, uh, housing advocates, immigration advocates, workers, unions, and, uh, of course, environmental organizations um, like the one I work with. Which is? I work with Sierra Club now. Dang! And, uh, you know, it's it's... It's just become apparent that, uh, you know, we, we need to be better at taking notice of these events and figure out how we can all work together to develop some solutions. So in two weeks, we're going to have an event at Texas Southern University at the uh, Barbara Jordan Mickey Leland School for Public Policy um, right down the road. And... Uh, Dr. Bullard and, you know, many of the folks who have been working on these issues for for many, many years are co-hosting and supporting. And uh, it'll be an interesting event. It'll be live streamed. It's on August 24th and 25th. Hope you can make it, Tony. Um, If you're not there, you can watch it online and we'll, we'll be sure to share all of those links on the Facebook page, on the Libro Traficante, Nuestra Palabra pages. But uh, now, yeah. when you when you call it a tribunal, that sounds like you're going to put someone on trial. So who's who's on trial? Ah, <sighs> that's a good question. I think everyone who could have done something should have done something. You know, and that's different for each category. 
but uh, we will be looking at those four areas that I mentioned, housing, workers, immigrants, and environment. And, you know, everyone probably was touched by the storm in Without one of those doubt. ways. Yeah, Without one of a those doubt. Ways. And I think what's great, too, is this is a great time to profoundly look at this issue right before the election. Now, they got, that, that's around the same time as the bond is being voted on. Yeah. The funding, we're talking about millions of dollars that will be coming to Harris County mm-hmm. to try and stem this. Now, regardless of how you feel about that, whoever wins in November will have those coffers full of that money. And if I can if I if I'm correct, it looks like it's a blank check. It's like here's a ton of dough, folks. Do good for it. It might be wise for us to be informed on what the extent of the damage was, who some of the players were, and what could happen next. Is that kind of the goal of the tribunal? That's that's definitely, you know, a very important point to make. And hopefully you know, folks will be paying attention. Um, yeah, you know, the, I'm sure there was a bond election after Hurricane Ike. Dang. Where, where did that money go and, and how how did it help protect folks from this storm? Did it protect anyone from this storm? You know, so we're going to we're going to put everything on record this time. We're going to be paying attention. And not only do we have the bond election and the November elections, but then we have the state legislature starting up in January. So plenty of opportunity to take what we learn and, 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 you know, confront our politicians and our elected leaders. To not get flooded. I mean, to me, when you look at the abandoned ruins of, uh, you know, it's not Ilan or any of those Mayan ruins, they happened because of environmental disaster. So if we don't do something about this, we're about to see that in person because, you know, after after Harvey's the first time I go to other cities and they'd be like, why don't you just leave Houston? Why don't you just run? And if we don't do something about it, everybody better have an exit plan. And not, not as in when the flood comes, but to get out of here for good. Unless your representatives do something to change that. Yeah, I mean, do you feel safe, Tony? Do you feel safe? Where you live? Where so, you're at? so how about this? We bought the insurance. <laughs> so we bought the flood insurance. But honestly, I do feel it's like flood roulette. I mean... Yeah. We, we've quantified that it hasn't flooded in the last three disasters, but the, like one thing that I tell folks, that's flood roulette up to now. <laughs> you know, one thing about these floods is they they they're like when you bench press, you're like, yeah, I was doing 300, I'm going for 350. So the next the next flood is a 350 flood, 350 pounds. Forget your 500 years. And and you're automatically in the game. You can't opt out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because yeah. it, it happens all of a sudden, happens suddenly. I was shocked a few days ago. Um, it rained really hard, and I-45 was flooded like mad, and it rained in spots. Yeah. It rained in spots, so I was really stunned that up on North North 45, there was a lot of flooding. But that doesn't really convey a sense of assurance. I don't know. Do you feel safe? I, I don't. I live by the plants, and what happened there you know, was... Uh, really scary and and I don't think anything has been done uh to assure folks that uh these plants will be prevented from releasing all the chemicals that they did during the storm you know and and you know we've been through so many storms at this point uh you know how many repairs are being done and and what's the status there's a lot of unknowns I don't like unknowns <laughs> not when it comes to my safety and and not when it comes to other folks uh you know uh con- 
considering other people's safety, you know, particularly big businesses and particularly oil and gas businesses. So, so where where is the website to get all the information? Um, there's a Facebook page. It's called uh, Houston People's Tribunal on Harvey Recovery, and uh, we will also be posting, you know, links, sharing links on the NP page, Libre Traficante page. We'll try and we'll try and repost that right now. Yeah, there's many people co-sponsors. That are also going to be posting on their pages, uh, Texas Housers, Tejas, um, Top is also involved with the Coalition Home. Um, so this is all sort of arised out of many, many different groups um, taking note of the one-year anniversary and wanting to document some of the stories and and help develop some uh, some positive change. Great. Well, hey, thanks for all you do. Hey, this is your legacy, Mano. Uh, you, you know, you and Lilo helped us get us here, so we're happy to keep going, and we're here to to get the word on Harvey. So, gracias. Thank you. Nada. You Don't may have good. saved a few lives, and you may help us save the city, because that's what we do. So, right now, um, we're going to take a short musical break, and then have Darlene come in the studio as we celebrate her new book, You're Experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say on the Air. It's live right now, and you can hear some of our podcasts at nuestapalabra.org and kpft.org live stream. And, of course, our hard copies are kept at the Houston Public Library Collection and also at the University of Houston Media Archives. Gracias.
Tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say on the air. Want to remind you that we are putting Houston Latino art on the map Wednesday, August 29th, 6 p.m. at City Hall in the Legacy Room, 901 Bagby. Also, thank you for tuning in. You can get the archives for the show at nuestrapalabra.org. We just have a few shows there. You want to get the full length that is kept over at the University of Houston Archives. And I want to thank the Houston Public Library for keeping our hard copies in the Hispanic collections. Joining us live in the studio is Darlene Campos. She earned her MFA in creative writing from the University of Texas at El Paso, which is one of the big allies of all writers throughout the country, but especially Nuestra Palabra. She's from Guayaquil, Ecuador, currently lives in Houston with an adorable pet rabbit named Jake. Her website is www.darlenecampos.com and we are celebrating the release of her new book, Summer Camp is Cancelled. Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. And congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. How, how long was that in the making? About a year and a half. Man, and, and how did you first get the idea? Because it's cool that you, you're, you're focusing on childhood memories but is that something that was always in your mind the idea just came to me there wasn't a big inspirational moment or anything like that it just flew into my head one day and then you said hey i'm gonna start working on it and was that were you working on it while you were getting your master of fine arts and creative writing or afterwards no this was afterward mm-hmm. so did, did you have to finish the mfa to have time to, to write <laughs> or because sometimes i hear that from other mfas that... well i graduated with my mfa and my thesis actually became my first book with Vital Narrative Press. And then this second book, I started writing maybe a month after I signed my contract with Vital Narrative. So it was just go, go, go from the very beginning. Oh, that's great. And and the discipline comes from do you, do you a writing schedule or is it more that you keep the the format in your mind? Or what advice would you give to folks trying to juggle work and family to write their books? I would say just set aside a little time to write every single day, even if it's just five or 10 minutes, because if you're writing 10 minutes 
every day, seven days a week, it's going to add up, and then eventually you'll have a book out. I like what you're saying, especially if it's a specific project, you kind of have the narrative in mind a little bit, um, you know? Right. So you can sit down and say, okay, I figured that out, um, which is pretty cool because then, too, you actually might solve some issues that you might write through otherwise, but here you just know you got to mean business to get it done. Exactly. And you got it done. Yeah. That's very cool. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the book, and I think you have an excerpt for us, right? Yes, I do. I'm going to read a little bit from Chapter 1. So this book, it's titled Summer Camp is Canceled. It's about a young Mexican-American boy named Lyndon Perez, and he has a huge crush on this girl who's also his best friend named Melody Martinez. But the thing is that she's deaf, and she has a crush on the all-star basketball player, Fernando, and she has no idea that Fernando makes fun of her for being deaf. So then Lyndon has to make the choice between telling Melody about the real Fernando or trying to hook him up and see how it goes and maybe make her happy. And any what was the inspiration for that sort of setting and, and that setup? That just came into my head. Yeah? yeah. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. And it, it, what city does it take place in or is it just kind of – that's not really mentioned there? No, it's a fictional town. It's called Bat Springs, Texas. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set – just an hour away from Austin, about an hour away from San Antonio, so just right there in, in the middle of Texas. Cool. You know, in a state with names like Cut and Shoot, Bat Springs sounds perfect. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a real place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, fantastic. Well, you'd be kind enough to treat us with an excerpt. We'd love it. And then sure. you said we can give away two copies? Yeah, we can do two copies, and I will personally send them to the winners. Oh, that's awesome. So once Starling is finished, you can call 713 713- Five two six five seven three eight and callers three and four. We will get your name, email, and address, and Darlene will sign and send copies to you. Yep. Fantastic. You're welcome. Okay, so this is summer camp is canceled, and I'm going to read an excerpt from chapter one. Melody Martinez is the prettiest girl in the whole world. I know there are tons of girls in the world, but I don't care. Nobody is prettier than her. Nobody, nobody on the face of the earth, even the earth's face is not as pretty as her. You know, if the earth somehow had a face. There are so many things I like about her. I like her hair, her nose, her mouth, her ears, the way she chews her food at lunch. I like how nice she is to everyone she meets. I like her patience. I like how she always does her homework early. And I like the way she raises her little whiteboard when she knows the answer to the question the teacher asked. Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention she's deaf. Everybody does. She's the deaf girl. That's what most kids call her, but I don't, and neither do my best friends Ted and Javier. Melody, the deaf girl? The fact that she's deaf must be super important to other people, but not to me. She's been deaf for years, ever since we were in pre-K. Back then, her hearing was perfect. Then, she could only hear big noises, like a thunderclap, a door slamming, or stomping feet. One day, she couldn't hear at all. She had meningitis, and it spread pretty fast. Her parents took her to a hospital in Austin, and she was treated, but the doctor swore she would never hear again. When she came back to school, I freaked out when she didn't say good morning to me. I said good morning to her every day, and she would say it back. I thought I had done something mean to her, but I couldn't remember what it was. I said good morning again. She didn't turn around. I threw myself on the floor, kicking my legs in the air and crying, and she still didn't turn around. Mom sat me down on a stool and said, Pero Jesucristo, Linden, calm yourself. You're a big boy. But she won't talk to me, I said. Chiquito, she's deaf. That means she can't hear like me and you. Calm down, you're going to have a pee-pee accident if you don't. I didn't know Melody couldn't hear me. That happened seven years ago. 
and I still hate myself for flipping out the way I did. Fantastic. And that is Darlene Campos reading from her new book, Summer Camp is Cancelled. And I, some folks sneak in calls. So <laughs> I think we got callers one, two. So the next two callers, 713-526-5738. We've got two copies to give away. And now, last time you said that you started working on this book right after you got the contract for your other book. So are you have you already started on your next book? Oh, yeah. I started writing my third book just a week ago. So I waited until the release of this book, and then I immediately started working on book number three. No kidding. Do you have a title, or you know what it's about? or No title yet. It's still a work in progress, and I'll find out what it's about as I write it. <laughs> So, so you kind of give yourself the liberty to find out what the universe is in the in that right. Book. As as long as you get started, I think the ideas just kind of come. You just have to start. If if you just have a blank sheet of paper, you're not going to get anything done. That's I like that. And then, uh, so give us one hint. What's what what sentence did you work on? You wrote today. Yes, I did. So give us one or two sentences from today that you focused on. Uh, from today. I wrote some dialogue, and the dialogue was, I used to be hungry very often, but lately, I can't even finish a snack. <laughs> That's cool. Now, and, and of course, that may or may not stay in the final book. Of course. It's That's just so a draft. cool. Yeah. I love it. But I, I think it's great for writers to hear that, because I think sometimes people may sit down and think, oh, okay, I have to know exactly what I'm going to write next. And in fact, I think publications like Writer's Digest encourage you to have outlines, etc. It sounds like you enjoy the discovery of, of writing and, and defining these characters and worlds. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of emerging writers, they think, oh, my first draft has to be perfect. And it doesn't. It's okay to mess up. You can always go back and fix things, take things out, add things. It's okay. You can mess up as much as you want in that first draft. That's beautiful. Well, you may have changed some writers' lives today, which is great. <laughs> now, I saw the lines light up. I think we're down to our are two folks who won the book, which is great. Thank you for everyone who've called in. And thank you so much for coming down. Uh, give, can you give out the website to, to find out more about you? Yes, it's www.darlenepcampos.com. Great. And we'll repost you and retweet it. Thank you so much. You're Congratulations. Welcome. Thank you. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. And we're going to take a short musical break. And we'll be back with Raul Garza, who was the playwright for There and Back. Olvidar que 
Thank you for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air at 100,000 watts live right now from the fourth largest city in America and later by podcast, which you can access at nuestrapalabra.org. Our full collection is at the University of Houston Digital Archives. And, of course, our hard copies are kept at the Houston Public Library Hispanic Collections. We're happy to be joined on the air by Raul Garza. He is an Austin-based playwright who tells stories that resound with culture and a sense of place. His full-length play, Fantasmaville, received the National Latino Playwriting Award and earned a B. Iden Payne Award nomination for Outstanding Original Script. His short play, his short play My H-E-B, garnered Frontera Fest 2015 Best of Fest recognition. Raul's full-length plays include Fantasmaville, Sanctuary, Gura, Convections of a Mexpatriot, Ruby, There and Back, and El. His short story, In the Room, won the 2014 Austin Chronicle Short Story Contest, and Running Bear and La Baron were cited for honorable mention by the 2017 and 2014 Texas Observer Short Story Contest. When not writing, Raul explores Kundalini Yoga, devours pop culture, and serves as a creative director at TKO Advertising. Thank you so much for calling in, Raul. Thank you. My pleasure. It makes me sound very good. Ah, uh, man. <laughs> it's like, this is impressive. <laughs> no, but, and, and you know what, too? We always do like to share our guest bios because we're also letting our community know what are some different ways that writers can, can get their name out there. But before we get into talking about your play, congratulations on that, by the way. How did you learn to do any of this? Because I think some of our listeners are going to hear your, your, your bio and be like, man, you know, I can't do all that. But obviously you had to learn how to, to get there, no? Right. That's a, that's a great observation. I learned by listening and by doing more than by technical or formal writing. So that's why I always encourage anyone who has a story inside to tell that story. That's how you get better at it, by telling it, you know, Familia is where most stories, uh, Nuestra Palabra, is, you know, built around that. Stories that I think 
began when most of these writers could first listen and could first understand what they were about. That's, that's my story as well. Uh, I just got practice doing it over the years and learned how to hone it and shape it into these formats. That's powerful, too, because I think so many of our youth are not exposed to their stories. So even for me, for example, when I was a kid and I'd hear the teacher say, write about what you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm supposed to write about what you think you know about me, not my real story. But it's great to hear you say that you went there for yourself and your work is a testament to that. So, so Right. I mean, I think, unfortunately, you know, maybe some would say for better or for worse, we're, we're evolving a little bit out of our story culture, the cultura of the spoken word. It's wonderful to preserve that, and I'm an advocate of that in spoken word stories live theater, or, you know, short story, poetry, any of that. I think it's an important aspect of la cultura and something that we should keep alive. And this is one of the ways we do it. Beautiful. So so now let's talk about There and Back. And folks, so folks can go see it? Folks can come see it in Austin at Ground Floor Theater. It's a pay-what-you-wish theater. That means we welcome everybody. Uh, the theater's mission is to voice and shine a light on the underserved communities, and it's a beautiful space. This show is up Thursdays through Sundays the next two weeks mm. um, through the 25th, and make you know make a day of it, make a weekend of it. We'd love to have you check it out. That sounds so cool, and, and I think it is great. And again, we need to support each other as artists and familia. So I'm hoping that folks will go from Houston to Austin because they're going to go anyway. Verdad? They are. Verdad? Use your tax-free rebate exactly. or whatever you're getting. You know, put a little bit of that in the tank. This is a this is a chance to see yourself on stage. Maybe see somebody you know. Maybe it's your tia, your abuela, somebody that you grew up hearing about. Or maybe it's somebody that's your neighbor, somebody that lives down the street. But this is an opportunity to celebrate that richness and also to, to support their struggle. Love it. So, so tell us a little bit about There and Back. All right. There and Back is, it's really, it's an immersion. It's, an, it's a transportation, an exploration of the human experience of immigration. So instead of statistics or policy, we look at it from the inside, what it's like to arrive here and be here, what the promises are that you hear and that you trust, and how those conflict with reality once you arrive. Uh, we get to follow the life of an immigrant who arrives on the eve of JFK, John F. Kennedy's inauguration, and through some magical realism, she gets to peek at her life under the Reagan administration and under now the Trump administration. She gets to decide if, if her dignity and self-worth are worth the opportunity, the economic opportunity that's being promised. And that's, that's what the play's about. That's heavy duty. And, and I, I love how you compare those three eras because, yeah. I mean, they're all very different. Um, it's, it's heavy duty. It's heavy duty, and then there's a lot of regular life that happens in the middle, and we forget that anyone undergoing the struggle or anyone working to fit in and to make a way here they do have sorrows, but they also have mm -hmm. laughter and love and joy and, and all these things in between. So it's a really, it's an up and down, it's this roller coaster. And it is something that, as, as you mentioned, 
it's not just now. It's something that's been in the works for generations. Raul, I want to stay mad. You're making me happy. I want uh, <laughs> well, we, we, we want you woke, so we want so. you uh, motivated. And you know, if that's if that if it's mad that makes you motivated, go there. But we don't want to be about finger pointing at one instance or one policy only because it's also our responsibility to correct some of what we've allowed to happen here. Mm. You know, as, as Tejanos or as anyone who's been here long enough to have possibly made a difference, we're partly responsible for what our policies are now. That, that's a great point. And, and I think you're right, too. Sometimes we look back with nostalgia at certain administrations and it wasn't exactly how we imagined it. And, and likewise, even th- when things look at their worst, you're right. We still have to get through the struggles of every day. And, and, and it's great that you can celebrate it in, in images we can understand, go have fun, but also in a way that, that one can help us navigate through, through some of these issues, but also celebrate it as a family, familia together. So, so how did you pick the, the actors? Well, um, Patty Neftiven and Lisa Sheps are the directors of Ground Floor Theater. They really directed that process. Um, we had worked together with Karina Dominguez, who is uh, really the lead role in this play, on a shorter version of it. So we structured it a little bit around her, and we had a call. There's two other actors. There's multiple characters, but two of the actors play quite a number of characters in the work. So we we ended up with some fantastic talent on stage that's exciting so we get to not only experience the, the fruits of the labor of the writer but see the director does but see some some acting talent as well definitely and some you know your your program palabra is a key word there that's a key part of what our story is here what are las palabras of the politicians of the bosses of the jefes of people who receive immigrants and how are those palabras different from la verdad? How are they different from reality? Mm. And thats uh, I think that's a really important aspect that your listeners would appreciate. Definitely. And would you be kind enough then to give us some, some uh, outlets to, to stay in touch with your work? Uh, obviously, groundfloortheater.org is the website where people can find out more about uh, this play right now. How can folks keep in touch with what you're doing? So Ground Floor Theater is, uh, is the best way for this show. My website is um, the, or the, T-H-E, the Raulito.com. And that's how you can <laughs> see my past work, my present work, my upcoming work, and get in touch with me. And what are you working on next? Any, any plans to get to Houston? What do we got to do to get you here? You know what? I've, uh, I've been talking about some great theaters there. I'd love to be down there. I'm working on... A piece that's going to be on stage here, you mentioned it, Confessions of a Mexpatriot. That's going to be at Hyde Park Theater in Austin. But I'm developing new pieces constantly, like like most of your writers that you talk to. And I'd love to have uh, some work in the Houston area. That sounds great. We're gonna, we'll push some buttons to see how that goes because I uh, know you know no and, and likewise too honestly because we, we lean a little more towards the fiction writers. Uh, I wasn't aware uh, of the thriving Austin theater community, and I'm glad that we can make amends for that by by hearing about your work. But I want to make one thing clear to to all arts allies: if you got a Latino, Raza, Chicano, Chicanx, Latinx in it, then I'm gonna go. So, all right. So you know, hats off to to Ground Floor Theater. 
Org. Any parting words for your familia from Houston? I mean, of course, in the podcast of the people who are here, but, uh, you know, there's probably some, some gente listening, some person listening right now that's like, maybe I go, maybe I don't. Uh, yeah. any, any parting words to fire them up? Que, que vengan todos. Somos familiares todos. And I think they're, sometimes it's like, oh, they're awesome people. We're, no. Somos familia todos. Yes. So we invite all. You will... Uh, think you'll enjoy you might get mad and it's going to be something that you talk about the rest of the weekend and on your drive home and we'd love to see you here gracias raul continued gracias success and please stay in touch with us all right thank you for your time by all means that was raul garza estamos celebrando que va a estrenar su obra de teatro there and back and you're crazy if you don't go Hey, what a great show. I wanted to stay mad. Now I'm all happy because I think we can change the world and we are. Alright. Yes. It might take it might take longer than the week that I wanted. <laughs> Just one week. <laughs> <laughs> but it can happen. Uh, thanks to all the crew. Now, Marlene wasn't in the studio last week, but her imprint is always on the show. As, as, as yours too, Letty. want to thank you so much for giving a, a lot of heart, corazón, and sweat to the show. It means a lot. Thank you. Oh, no. Not a problem. I love it. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> and, and, and it shows. I want to thank the guys. Say, say bye, guys. All right, y'all. There's a wrap. Have a good one, everybody. Yeah, have a good one. Fantastic. Stay tuned for Coming to America and all the programming on Tuesday night at KPFT. This 20 Days Libre Traficante. And we will catch you at one of these events in person or on the podcast. Un abrazo grande. See you.
The historic Heights Theater on 19th Street hosts a wide variety of concert and special events. Upcoming concerts include singer-songwriter John Moreland on Friday, August 24th, Michael Nesmith and the First National Bank on Friday, September 7th, and an acoustic evening with Grammy Award-winning Sean Colvin on Sunday, September 9th. For more information or to get tickets, visit theheightstheater.com. This is KPFT Houston. Thousands of you have heeded the call, but there's always room for more. You can find KPFT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. From our latest updates to funny videos, contests, news, and more, you can find us anytime, day or night. We're at KPFT Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We'd love to give you the latest. Plus, you're already on Facebook. Why not get behind the scenes of Houston's leader for independent music, arts, ideas, and culture right now? Again, find us at KPFT. KPFT Houston on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. See you there. Bring me home. 